name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. After two Sundays in a row celebrating the victory of the Church, the first, the victory of the restoration of the Holy Icons, the victory of the Church in her external manifestation, and secondly, the victory of the Church through St. Gregory Palamas, the interiorization of the victory of the Church in the internal life of the Church through her prayer, we come now to the great victory of victories, and that is the victory of the cross. Throughout Great Lent, while you and I are fasting and praying, the Church is celebrating victories. There is no victory without prayer and fasting, because there is no victory that does not involve our vanquishing the demons who afflict each one of us. That is the victory. Not a special dividend from GM, not uh, a raise in pay, not a uh, promotion on the job, uh, not winning the lottery, but uh, victory over evil. <clears throat> so the Church is, in her characteristic way, liturgically asserting a great truth here. At the very midpoint of the great 40-day fast that precedes Holy Week and Pascha, we set up the cross in the middle of the space of the Church. So we are centralizing in space and time the two unavoidable categories of our existence, mentally and physically, at the very heart of that place, we set up the cross. We Christians set up the cross. To those who were not of Christ, both before the actual historical crucifixion in Jerusalem and the memory of the crucifixion ever since, they see the crucifixion as a defeat, as a humiliation, dying in an electric chair in a gas chamber by lethal injection, dying as a criminal. That's what the world has decided you are. So, the, uh, from the time of the first cross, the cross of our Savior Jesus Christ, until now the crosses which you and I take up daily and shoulder bravely as martyrs, as witnesses to something. From that time, at the beginning in Jerusalem, even until this very moment, the cross is central to the profession of Christianity. No other religion has anything like that. As a matter of fact, so radical is this difference that many Orthodox Christians say that Christianity is not a religion at all. The other things are religions, but we are not. We are a way of life, the life of the Spirit in us. Anyway, this cross that we set up at the center of the churches in space and at the center of Lent in time is central to us as persons. Where would we be without the cross when we are dealing with our friends? We don't know how to be friendly with friends unless we are already saturated with the memory of the cross, with meditating and contemplating it from the beginning of the time that we become Christians consciously. We are thinking about this cross. It is not merely a piece of uh, jewelry. That's something that we hang up on the wall or around our necks. But the cross is an event, the event of events. The cross that we set up is just what it says in the Gospel. It is through the cross, through the crucifixion <clears throat> of the self, that we are empowered to follow Christ.
We will have no motivation, we will have no fuel to get from here to there unless we fuel ourselves with the cross. The cross always entails something that is very hard for us since the fall and since our exile from paradise. The cross entails self-denial. If somebody else denies us, either openly and blatantly, you bum, he says, you louse, or uh, if he um, denies us in more subtle ways, he gives us a uh, look, or uh, he doesn't uh, respond to a greeting, or he treats us uh, in some uh, subtly demeaning way, this is also denying us, uh, we, our feelings are hurt. Well, our feelings are hurt if we like the person. <laughs> if we don't like the person, indifference can preside over it. We must never uh, mistake indifference for uh, Christian uh, self-control. Radically different. So if somebody else denies us, uh, we get hurt. Or we get angry. And we want to retaliate. We want to deny that person in turn. Well, he put me down. I'm going to wait for my opportunity to put him down and show him what I think of him. Well, this kind of vengeful thinking is for nothing. All that does, that's leaking poisons into the uh, central arteries of our soul. So Christians say uh, bologna sausage with that. That's hogwash, that's nothing. We don't want anything to do with that kind of thinking and behaving. So when other people deny us, we go through all these conniptions. But what about what Christ says. He says, you must deny yourself. <laughs> so he radically interiorizes this experience which can, be, which can be so painful for us. Because as a result of the fall, our egos become bloated. And through a bloated ego, the sign of which <clears throat> is personal pride, and the pride that we are speaking of is arrogance, arrogant pride, since uh, we are coping, trying to cope with that reality since the fall, this self-denial becomes for us the greatest effort. It's the hardest thing. In monasticism, we enter monasteries and we agree to be told what to do by someone else. But the rub is that we who make that agreement are adults. And we have the impression that we should be in charge of our own lives. I'll clean the windows when I get to it. I'll mop the floor when I choose to mop the floor, thank you very much. But as an adult, someone comes and says, mop the floor, clean the windows, do the pots and pans. That was my task when I lived on Athos. I was the pots and pans man. I didn't uh, select that obedience from a long list of uh, uh, nifty things to do with my day. I went, I made a full prostration before Father Emilianos, and he said, Thou shalt clean pots and pans. And I said, May it be blessed. And I got up and I kissed the hand of the man who would assign me, condemn me to pots and pans, and I went and I cleaned pots and pans for a year. Now, it is through our acceptance of that kind of situation, that we begin to counteract the lethal, poisonous, 
and mortifying effects of the fall of Adam and Eve and their exile from paradise, the paradise of plenty and of delight. So by cleaning pots and pans, mopping floors, doing the windows, the laundry, whatever, I am actually trying to turn my life around so that I can re-enter paradise. You don't go to Los Angeles by walking away from it. You go to Los Angeles by facing south and going in that direction. So, here we are. Our Savior says, deny yourself and take up the cross and follow him. There are three parts to this commandment, and it is a commandment. It is one of those commandments that is given as an if. If you want to belong to me, says our Savior, if you want eternal life, if you want all of the charismatic gifts that go with being in union with the second person of the All-Holy Trinity, the Logos of the Pre-Eternal Father, then this is what you do. You deny yourself, you take up your cross and you follow me. Because Christ has within himself the Father's immortal life, not our biological life, the life of this universe, but the life that is beyond all that. And that is the life that he wants to give to us as a gift, so that we will not be stopped by our temporal death, for example. The day will come when people will look and say, oh, you know, he's, he's gone, he died. And at that point, people will say, well, he's dead, he's gone. We need to do something. For example, we need to bury him. Well, is that the end? Does everything end in that grave? <coughs> Obviously not. Christ is living proof of that. And all that Christ says and does says, if you think that that is where it ends, you are a great fool. But how do we transcend our death in such a way that we are with Christ? and not without him. <laughs> well, by denying ourselves, taking him our cross and following him. This cross has to preside not only with, over my relations with my friends, but I must deal with my enemies through the cross. I cannot look at the face of an enemy or remember him in my mind without remembering him through the cross any more than I can look at my dearest friends without looking at them through the cross. I must also bring the cross to bear upon my relations with all those to whom I am indifferent, who mean nothing to me, the least of these, my brethren. So, the cross is everything for us. The cross is never treated by the Church apart, however, from one other reality. And the other reality, shall we say, the flip side of the cross, is the resurrection of our Savior. He enters death, humanly speaking, through the medium of the cross. But he enters a death that is deathless for him. He experiences his own death, deathlessly. And he wants us to experience our death, deathlessly also. 
He wants us to be eternal, to be immortal. But he knows that none of those things will become true of any one of us if we have not faced up to the problem, the problematic of the cross. The uh, French atheist philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, as we are fond of saying, looked out and surveyed the community of human beings around him and he said, as we know, l'enfer c'est les autres, hell is other people. That is to say, he decided to live without the cross, to live as if the cross were not central to the problem of being human. And so, when we divorce ourselves from the cross, when we forget the gospel of the cross that we have just heard the deacon chant to us, then for sure, l'enfer c'est les autres. Hell is other people. Other people are my dead ends, my blind alleys. But my relationships with others cannot be like that. They are not designed for that in paradise. On the contrary, we have to see all of this through the prism of the cross. We look at it as if it were a, collect, a corrective lens which allows us to, to see accurately and truly and with sharpness and with reality the things that are even distant from us that we cannot otherwise see. So we don these glasses, we look through these telescopes and these binoculars, which is the cross, and we see things for what they are. Above all, we see ourself for what I am. This week, we are supposed to be thinking about the cross. This week, we are concerned about this problem of self-denial as opposed to all the different ways in which I fail to deny myself, but rather assert myself. And of course, we must assert ourselves also through the cross. We cannot evade it. Our Savior says, He who would be my follower must deny himself and take up his cross. Then... He follows. It is the final stage of the three-part rocket. May God grant that all this week, in the morning, at noontime, and in the evening and in the nighttime, we will be looking at the cross of our Savior as we attempt to find our own cross. We will be looking at how He raised up His own cross, how He bore it, and from that we will learn how we must pick up our cross, take up our cross, and bear it also. And that way, as always, will involve self-denial. There's no other way. There's no alternative cross, alternative Christianity here. The whole gospel is in it. It is the whole gospel. And when we have embraced this cross fully, we will find that what we have in our arms is our own resurrection from the dead. Amen and Amen.